you show seagulls, you show water, um, you show um, the, the, the mechanical implements used in the fishing. Um, and I guess every so often you show whoever's doing the fishing. Films about work shape our attitudes towards labor and laboring, often by inviting us to identify with individual characters. But what happens when film presents a more direct experience of what workers actually do? In a recent column for the Working Class Perspectives blog, James Catano considered three nonfiction films about the fishing industry. Drifters from 1929, Pesherechi from 1958, and Leviathan, the 2013 documentary, not the 1989 sci-fi horror film. On today's show, we talk with Jim about how these films offer a brief overview of methods for portraying work and how they also help us to think about a common format of reality television, the fishing program. James Catano is producer-director of Enduring Legacy, Louisiana's Croatian-Americans, and author of Ragged Dicks, Masculinity, Steel, and the Rhetoric of the Self-Made Man. He's Professor Emeritus of English and Screen Arts at Louisiana State University. Here's the show. This is actually pretty much the way we do this. We are very informal um, or anti-formal, anti right, Elise? Something like that. <laughs> um, the first question we like to ask folks, because nobody ever expects it, so it gets interesting responses, is what is the first film that you remember? I actually have listened to enough of your podcast. <laughs> oh, you, you cheated. You cheated. <laughs> Um, so actually, well, that's not fair, you know, because if I say a Lumiere Brothers um, uh, documentary, that, that would sort of date me. Uh, but no, the, the, the first film I, I, um, I, at least in the theater. Yeah. Uh, who knows what you were seeing? I, I don't even know when television showed up in the house, actually. Um, but the first film was Old Yeller. Oh, I cried. <laughs> that, that, that film is terrible. My God, I read, I read the book, which was bad enough, and then the movie. Wow. So, so what, your what are your memories of that? Um, crying at the end. Mm. You know, I mean, uh, well, actually, actually, two things, of course. Uh, you remember the, the dogs can become rabid, which in my day and age... Um, uh, what was a horror show because of the follow-up to it you had you had to take those shots in in the stomach yep um so a rabid dog i remember the dog being rabid and i remember them shooting it um which is it seemed uh um rather unpleasant of them but yeah no i i can't remember how old i was um but absolutely i saw it in the cinema so i'm dating myself what if any effect do you think it had on on you know you're getting into film or your or how you approach films your you know your relationship to films you know i that that is that is a difficult question i remember uh, um uh and and forgive me as you know full well chris i have trouble with names um that has been fixed by the way um the uh um the nature of film and video is, is, is so ubiquitous, it's almost impossible for anybody. Sort of like saying, 
what what effect did learning language have uh, have on you? You know, it's 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 it is part of the culture, part of the society. And to say that one film had had a uh, major effect on on what is in my mind uh, almost, especially today, a constant in our lives. We're bombarded with images. Um, I, I really, I really couldn't say. Um, uh, I mean, it, it, in some ways, I think my desire to become a mechanical engineer had more influence on my interest in films than than anything else, or at least the desire to to um, be a mechanical engineer to to do work in, in that sort of a vein. Uh, whatever the impetus for that was, was the same impetus for me in, in getting in films. I simply love the idea of the construction of films, how you could put something together in a, what is after all, at least at the, at the time I was coming up, a, a mechanical process, um, literally physical, um, to get from, from light to, to celluloid, to, to get from uh, 35 millimeter to an edited film uh, is a mechanical process in many, many ways. And so all those things interest me a great deal. Photography always interested me for the same reason. And then you make photos move, which essentially is what film is, was. Um, those, those are the same things that, that drove me. Um, the same thing that made me, made me uh, love working in a steel mill. I have no idea. It's the mechanical, constructive, um, crazy nature of it all. Um, you, you just do a lot of work um, with a lot of weird stuff and um, stories come out of it. It's, it's, uh, it's an amazing, amazing business. Oh. Words you don't hear too often about somebody loving to work in a steel mill, but I want to, I want to ask you. We want to get obviously to your to your column and, and the films, but sure. what film these days? And I'm I'm like you. I came up from when when I first started, you know, being a photographer. I actually had a dark room, and you know, I actually really liked that process of shooting not being sure what you got and you know and so yeah you're right in, in a lot of ways it was a mechanical process and you could see the actual steps mm -hmm. um by the time i got to film it was video so it was beginning to change but i'm just curious about for folks these days you know who are shooting on an iphone and there is there is no mechanics to it unless it's like in post-production and messing around with filters and so yeah. forth yeah. How, how does that change things? Again, uh, it, 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 it's, it's such a slow, um, uh, I hesitate to use the word uh, insidious, because um, I mean, learning language is hardly insidious, but um, you're, you're slowly immersed in, into video images, imagery and, and what have you, imagery of all kinds. Um, but I, I think that it's, it's simply become uh, something that doesn't have that, uh, perhaps for you and for me, going to a dark room, have that distancing effect, uh, for better or for worse. Um, film today is, is something that, that, you, that you grab a, grab your phone, shoot it, um, cut it up quickly and put it together if you want, unless you're just doing it straight and you know, throwing it on YouTube or, or something. Um, so it, it's, it's changed, I think, the, uh, um, what should we call it? the cinematic, the awe factor. Uh, it, it, it's, it's become a weird form of, of socialization. The, the cinema 
used to be that wonderful place where people actually put on, you know, same as baseball, uh, sport coats, and then sat with a whole bunch of people and, and watched an event unfold. Um, and that's, that's changed a, a great deal. So audience response, uh, audience participation is both less and, and more. Um, it's, it's done individually, and yet it's more uh, an active, um, immediate social process. It's, it's, uh, it is the, uh, I had a colleague used to call it the, the premier 20th century art form. We can't do that anymore, of course. Um, but it but is a, uh, a major form of social interaction. And that, that off act that this is an event, we'll go to this uh, baseball game, we'll go to this um, film, and so on, that's gone. Uh, but in place of it is, is the, the continual presence of it, I think. So I don't know, better or, or worse, um, you know, the Hollywood industry uh, is, has been shaken. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, mean, I, I don't know, but it's different for sure. Elise, Elise has not, not told us um, uh, what made her, uh, uh, what makes her. I know that you're not necessarily a film person per se. Chris is, is letting us in on his early childhood with, with uh, interest with chemicals. I'll go no further than that. Um, but... <laughs> But Elise, what, how about yourself, your interest in films? Storytelling. Yes, okay. As you were, as you were talking, I was thinking um, of history, uh, thinking about the first uh, documentary, The Drifters, uh, and documentation mm -hmm. of history. Uh, and history comes from the Greek, which means the web. Um, and so we spin the web, we spin the tales to, uh, uh, share, repeat, mm -hmm. engage, mm -hmm. all of the above. And so in terms of the last things you were saying, in terms of going from film to video to phone, you know, I've just seen some remarkable things um, that have people have put together during this pandemic on their iPhone or whatever phone it is, um, that I feel like totally engaged and really, and I, I, I'm also uh, a singer and involved in a chorus. So okay. uh, our chorus could not, get together to sing during the pandemic, we were on Zoom. Oh. And, and there's some fabulous choral uh, videos out there uh, that people have put together from various choruses. And I, I was thinking also about a song that a friend did that was a takeoff on the last uh, president of the United States, former president, and how, how, how wonderful it was that they were able to have people from all over in different places singing the same song, looking, you know, different and, and then putting it all together. It's like, yeah, you know, it's community. It's, it's not just a solo singer playing a white guy on guitar, but um, instead it becomes this other, this other communal draw in that I felt. So, so I, I, and I watched um, Gaslight last night. Oh, good heavens. <laughs> <laughs> So after theater, theater is my first love, but after theater is film. Okay. I, I usually, you know, go see films. So watching Gaslight last night and just, you know, Charles Boyer and Ingrid Bergman and Joseph Cotton and, and Angela Lansbury as the, the last auditious, you know, uh, uh, working class uh, British uh, maid yes. was just uh, amazing. I mean, just looking at the costumes and looking at the lighting and what they did with black and white lighting. There's one point where she's laying in front of the fireplace after he's told her she's crazy. And, you know, I, I, I don't know this actual fire, but I suspect it's just lighting that they used to light up her face. So just a little part of her face is lit up and then the face is sort of 
in semi-shadow, but not completely dark. And I mean, that kind of shit, you know, I'm sorry. You just don't see. <laughs> the color doesn't, color doesn't allow for that. Color doesn't allow for that. No, no. Yeah, I, I, I struggle myself with, with um, black and white uh, film, photography, et cetera, because it, uh, as, as someone who works primarily in documentary, that, that becomes a question of, of um, uh, are you obligated to shoot in color because it's quote unquote more real? Um, but there's part of me that just loves what happens with, with um, black and white film, uh, the kind of effects you get with it. I love film noir um, because, of course, you play all of these games with, with lighting and, and, and what have you. But it's interesting you mentioned um, the choral group and what have you. I, I'm going to confess here. I was watching Father Brown on, on PBS last night. It, it's it's. I was often on a schedule that had me finishing up my teaching on a Thursday. Mm. And so I would be looking for ways to just kind of like go mind numb on Thursdays. And down here, that was always, always Father Brown. But they happened to have a piece on, I'd seen it before, in which it was uh, the, the church groups singing, small chorale groups, and they were singing hymns. Uh, and and, and, and one, of the, one of the hymns they were singing was Ave Maria. I was raised Catholic, nice Italian boy. And um, they're singing, and my, my wife and I are sitting there listening to Ave Maria, what have you, and they're showing the, 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 the people in the, in the church uh, listening, what have you, and we started to tear up. It's like, my God, you know, I mean, this is Hail Mary in Latin. What's the big deal? Oh, we've added music. I see, and we've got this woman who's a wonderful, wonderful voice, uh, soprano, singing away, and it's like, oh, my God, here we go, and Ave Maria, motherhood, jeez bring it all together and there it is in that music that performance it was it was uh yeah it was it was, it was something else and of course i have never well i i did uh sing in in grade school and in, in a, a choir you were kind of required to do so um but the 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 sociability you know that there was there's a lot of discussion of that around the start of um of covid because of course people wanted so much to be in that in that group to sing together. I have colleagues in Pittsburgh um, and she, she couldn't be in that group because of course closed room, several hours, letting out a lot of air and so on. And that's what she missed most about it was that, that communality. And the same thing with, we are talking about audience before that, that well, it, that, is, that is early theater, right? Um, singing. Uh, and what have you. And early, early, to go back to you in, in history, histoire, the French word for story is histoire. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that whole idea of, of what it does communally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was it thinking about the uh, individual identification to communal association. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I was thinking about uh, when the uh, pandemic started, we took our, our film series, we do a monthly uh, labor film series and we took it online. I had to figure out how to do it by Zoom and you know mm -hmm. all that. And it was fascinating because I didn't, you know, I just didn't think it was gonna work. We'd never done anything like that before. It just, you know, but you know, we did it. We, we, we were gonna do just a few and we wound up doing it for, I think it was weekly for six months straight. And it was fascinating because even though, and, and, and Jim, I, I'm with you, I love sitting in that dark theater, you know, Elise and I go to the theater together, we like sitting there, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not talkers, you know, during the film, but just being in 
in the theater, but it was interesting how a community, a lot of these folks knew each other, but a lot of, we had people from frankly all over the country. That was, that was a cool thing was that we were able to welcome in people who never would have come to DC. They wouldn't have been able to participate. It was an interesting sort of contradiction that we were able to build this community, you know, through this Zoom screen. And ultimately, I think it became like all of us, we all got Zoomed out and it was. <laughs> so I think, you know, it, it, it's interesting, you know, I think we are going through a bit of a sort of a paradigm change. I wanted to, to ask you, you know, your column, it seems to me, the issues that you're you're raising is it's a question it's not which, which we've dealt with in the labor film festival you know um, the question of how work and workers are portrayed on screen sure. and and I you know I watched a lot of different movies TV series and it's always been a big complaint of mine you know you'll have somebody you have you know they're a steel worker but you never see them actually work in the steel you know, it's, it's it's a plot thing right. Hmm. Um, or, or there are, you know, I'm, I'm a writer, they'll, they'll have a writer, but the writer's never actually writing, you know, <laughs> which, which I understand because it's pretty freaking boring to watch a writer write, you right. know, and the few, the few movies that have tried to show writers writing have been pretty boring. Um, but th th frankly, the film, I'm curious about the films that you chose because they're, I think they're challenging films. I mean, certainly talk about the first one. Uh, Drifters, which is a you know, 29 film, uh, and I've watched a lot of silence. Um, maybe it was watching a silent even on my TV, which is a bigger screen. But I think I thought that film at AFI in the big theater on a screen, okay, I think that could work. I had real trouble with it watching it on my TV. Um, mm -hmm. I just I could see that it is a beautiful film. Mm -hmm. But it was, you know, and it certainly does. It's 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 very much of that time when people were real I mean just looking at that they were really interested in showing you know the here's the wheel I mean really showing them to your point the mechanics and now that you know you had talked about you know the mechanic part I mean that, you know there's a lot of that in that film they're really it's like it these days would be a YouTube video if you want to know how to fish that would be one of the ones to watch right yeah 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 it it, it well <clears throat> The the uh, um, I'm going to try and work backwards uh, on that. The uh, the interesting part about the films that that um, are referenced in, in that piece um, and many others like them, uh, which happen to be out the fishing industry, and we can set that aside, and I'll, we can talk about that if you like as well. Um, but there, there's a sort of standard. Uh, I don't know if about three or four of them that you show seagulls. You show water. Um, you show um, the, the the mechanical implements used in the fishing, um, and I guess every so often you show whoever's doing the fishing. Um, <laughs> those are kind of the the standards. And then the question becomes: We were talking earlier about um, what happens when you cobble them together. The question becomes how have they been put together with what intention and with what resulting uh, audience audience response. So yeah, it was clear that, I mean, Grierson uh, knew full well what he was about. He was heavily influenced, of course, by the, the uh, Russian Revolution. Uh, very much interested in, in uh, film as, as a civic medium. Um, I'm, I'm 
don't want to, but maybe maybe for people listening to the podcast, um, the original films were commissioned by the Postal Service, of all things. And so among his early films was Nightmare, um, which has, I believe, an Auden poem at the end of their Auden, uh, you know, poem written for the, the thing. So it's all, all this attempt to dramatize the, the civic functioning of a society. It was, is definitely pedagogical uh, in nature, uh, an attempt to get people to see themselves as, as a, a social organism, as a civic organism. Uh, and, and you move from that, he is credited with co coining the word documentary, move from that sense of documentary um, to later and later and later senses, and, and you're still using the same materials. Um, you're still trying to uh, uh, give a sense of, of what your content is, but what are you trying to do with it uh, was, was the, the attempt of that, that piece. What, what, is, what is happening to the work itself as you do these things? Elise was talking about storytelling, which Hollywood is very good at. Um, but as you were mentioning, if, if, if the work is part of a plot line kind of stitching together uh, um, the events, then slowly plot comes to the front and then slowly character come to the front. Uh, and and um, the work itself fades in, into the background as, as an activity, unless it's foregrounded uh, in terms of this is terrible work or what have you. I mean, it, we're making broad, I'm making, not we, I'm making broad generalizations here, obviously. You go all the way back to um, hard times, or even the Lumieres, workers, workers leaving a factory. Um, work is shown in film. The question is, what is the job that that work does within the, the framework of the film? Uh, and oftentimes it's kind of like scenery uh, right. in many ways. Metropolis, right? I mean, we've got this, this sense in, in a kind of uh, hard times version of these, these stylized forms of work that are grinding up workers and so on. Um, that is there, but, but, but to have a sense of what is it like to be working? I mean, <laughs> Lucille Ball, uh, my, my wife always loves that scene in which they're in the, the candy factory. Um, and of course the chocolates keep coming faster and faster. They just start eating them more and more rapidly. <laughs> <laughs> that gives you a sense of what it's like, as opposed to work on on uh, on an assembly line. Um, but ultimately, it 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 you know the, the real star of that is Lucille Ball uh, and the chocolates. <laughs> the work, the work kind of fades away. <laughs> anyway, long answer. You you'll find, no, no. you'll find that I'm not good at sound bites. My no, no, no. Well, this is I, this I is not a sound bite podcast. I thought that both films, the uh, both both the documentaries actually perfectly told the story. There was a beginning, there was an introduction of characters. There were some, you know, individual screenshots and we got to see the captain at the top of the boat and then the anybody body, we see the kid doing the cooking and all kind of stuff. And it builds to a crescendo. The crescendo is them, the, the climax is them hauling in that all that in and body body body. The denouement is them putting it into the hole of the ship and then the end of it is them sort of going off to the, goes to the market and then it wraps up with the end. And the same thing with the second one, which name I cannot pronounce. It starts with a P. Pesher, uh, Pesher. Yeah, Pesher. And, and the storm is the climax in that one, right? Yeah. The storm is like, oh my gosh, and 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 the and, that's and, the water and shot. <laughs> visually, that that seeing the edge of the storm, seeing a storm pour down into the ocean, and that difference between where the storm is and where it's not raining, it's just, I mean, you don't get to see that. 
so I felt both of them told a story. It's just, I thought, and I thought this was your point in terms of pedagogical, is that the intent is to teach and to bring people in as a whole collective, as opposed to entertain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is to give you the Snickers bar and afterwards, you know, what do you got for it? You got, you know, you got more cavities in your teeth and a whole bunch of sugar in your system. Uh, but it hasn't changed anything in the world. And I, I wonder um, how, how those films changed people, if indeed if there was feedback that you know about in terms of the films. Yeah, let, let me, let me uh, um, um, fiddle with, with the, the story portion of it because everything, everything we do is, is narratized. I mean, I'm, if you're outside working in the yard, you're probably telling yourself a narrative in which now I'm going to go and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do that. You know, there's no question that, that that story is always, always there. Um, I guess it's what are you what are you uh, emphasizing? What are you what are you stressing? Uh, and so on. You have to have something to stitch it together. That's often the storyline, um, and 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 it is key. It is key. Um, we do have to recognize. Um, uh, people within this. Uh, well, we can get to Leviathan, which I, it, it's hard to tell if there's a storyline in Leviathan, but, but um, yeah, that, that's its, its own interest. But um, now I've gone and babbled and, and you're, you're interested in, in um, there's audience question in there. So what similar was that not? How does, how do things change? Uh, teach as opposed to. Uh, yeah, teach, the teaching is a, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, it's so difficult um because uh, there there are uh, again social medium uh, artistic medium uh, there are expectations and many of our expectations uh, for better or for worse i mean this is an argument that goes all the way back to the lumieres versus uh, melies where uh, lumieres want to show reality and what have you and, and melies wants to show special effects and stories he, he's a former magician working on stage and so that's what he wants to do he wants to have these special effects and so on. And, and, and lots of people say that the film has never recovered from Georges Méliès. And that is that, that instead of being a visual art form, it's this damn story form. Cartoons. <laughs> so- well, It's visual art. I mean, I, yeah. you don't know, it, get it's, from it. It's just what is the intention. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you, and of course- You could, you uh, could teach and engage and yes. not be boring. I mean, there are, there are ways of doing it, and I, I, uh, and, and, and I assume as an instructor, you probably figure that out too. You can stand there and lecture for the next 60 minutes, or you can engage at least basically by asking questions and having, having people engage by answering. Otherwise, they're just taking in information. Yeah. And so that, uh, that's a, taking in information without, without changing anything. That's a lovely example because, of course, um, I, I think that the documentary tends to suffer from that idea of the lecture form, that yes, yes. Um, what's unfolding before you is, is a 60-minute lecture. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're supposed to sit there and be quiet and take it in. You, you, the little vessel, open up, open, peel your skull back. Take some uh, notes, take some notes. Put it back, um, which, of course, as we all know, is the worst form of teaching on the planet. Um, Forgive me, I'm going to say that. I'm retired. Nobody can come and get me. Um, <laughs> but, but, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's intriguing um, how people have tried to, to get away from that, that, that early sense of that, that film is, is lecturing at you um, and, and turn, it into, uh, turn it into something else. Story, of course, is, 
is a, is a good way to go about it. Um, there, there's a, a wonderful um, film, which, which you, you may know, um, I didn't know about it. I've been teaching documentary for years and years and years about Elaine Rene, who um, uh, did uh, Hiroshima Mon Amour and last year Marion Bod, very strange films in their own way. Indeed. And he did a documentary, was, you know, filmmakers um, need to make money, uh, especially if they're independent filmmakers. And so he did a, a film called um, Song of the Styrene. Uh, and it's, it's a play on siren song, uh, et cetera. Uh, and and, and it's, it's very strange. It, it is in some ways a little bit like Grierson's Nightmare and that it starts with this hugely dramatic music. You think you're about to see the parting of the Red Sea or something. And up come these pipes and these, these objects. It, it, it's, it's almost a history of cinema because at first it's this, these visual shapes and rectangles, what have you, the sorts of things you got from the Dadaist early on in filmmaking. Um, and then it slowly moves into this hugely overblown purple prose poem uh, about making plastic. And then it moves along and along and along. And, it, and at the end of it, it says, and we could of course go into what brings about oil Said, but we won't. Uh, perhaps we'll see that in some other documentary. It's like it, it's it's mocking itself at the same time that it's following up on on that um, that mode that we're talking about the 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 one that that um, I, I don't think Grierson himself fell victim to it. Um, I think that his films he didn't make necessarily a lot of films himself. He ended up mostly producing films in in Britain and in Canada. Um, but I don't think he fell victim to it. it it's, it's the sort of lingering sense out there that you're, you're about to watch, uh, you know, like a, an army introductory film or something on, on how to assemble uh, a weapon or what have you, or this is how to properly put up a, a ladder. Um, these, these sorts of things. There's that lingering sense out there. And documentary has struggled with it uh, for a good long while. Um, and, and been very experimental in many ways. I think in some ways that the documentary is, is at least as, I, I won't get myself in trouble by saying more experimental than fiction film, but, but in many ways, uh, in order to overcome that sense of, of you know, lect the lecture mode where you can sit there and talk at somebody for 60 minutes, as you said, or you can, can try and engage them, get them to, to uh, participate in, in what you're seeing, um, it, it's, it's not going to work. Uh, I think to go back to your earlier sense of community, at least the idea that, I, I think that Grierson's idea was that, that the connection would not be the information that you were getting about fishing so much as you would feel connected to the society. It would be a communal activity and that would pull you in. That is what would, would raise your interest that you would see that here is a a, um, a civic action, if you will, going on. I mean, I know it's a physical action, they're fishing, but he converts it into um, what the, for better or for worse, the empire of, of Britain um, was producing for the world and so on. So you could feel civic pride, um, pride, the, the classic, something we're always looking for, uh, pride in your labor, pride in your work, you're doing something of value it has merit, it has value in the society. That was to be the draw, I think, in a Grierson film. 
uh, as much as the, the information itself. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want to go broader or maybe go back to this, this question of the portrayal of worker workers, sure. because again, it's something that, you know, you know, in the DC Labor Film Fest, but we're, we also have a global labor film fest network. So there's people like me all around the world. And it's been a very interesting discussion. Uh, and you can appreciate this, you know, if you talk to, you know, people who do labor film, organized film festival, labor film festivals in, in Europe, for example, mm -hmm. uh, in South America, uh, mm -hmm. where they have very different uh, approaches uh, to, to work and workers and, and unions. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, but having that conversation, you know, what, you know, it, it's usually framed in, you know, what is a labor film, which really depends on who you're talking to and where they're from. But it seems to me that it deals with a lot of the same issues that you raise in, in your piece, you know, in terms of, you know, what, like in the DC Labor Film Festival, you know, I like to show films that are not, you know, very specifically labor films, that they're films that happen to portray workers in a way that I think is interesting and gets people to think about uh, work and workers. Um, uh, I'm thinking of um, Brazil, actually, I would argue as a labor film. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a very good case to be made as a labor film, if only for the scene, you know, uh, Robert De Niro is the, uh, the, the plumber, right? That <laughs> right. um, the, uh, I forget if he's a non-union plumber or the union plumber, basically. He's a, you know, when you call in the per no, he's the union plumber because he's the guy you should call in. And when you call in the other guy, things go haywire. Right. So that, that scene, if I ever make a film of all of these pieces of labor films, you know, that, that scene will go in there. But, but the whole film is about, you know, the, the main character is a worker and how he's, he's dealt with. But it's not something that shows up in labor film festivals. It's not thought of a film as, as a labor film. But it has to do with working conditions and workers and, and, and what's dealing with it. But specifically, why is it so hard for folks, maybe easier in documentaries, but certainly in dramatic films, to, to deal with work and workers? Well, I mean, the, obviously the piece attempts to, to address that. And, and it, it's... It, it, it's a it's a bit of a provocation. The film, the same way that that the the woman's uh, um, piece on on you were mentioning a writer before, uh, I've, I've I've lost her name. Um, oh, Kathy and, Newman. The, the the New York Times piece where where she she says um, when when you show uh, um, creative work, you never show the actual work. Uh, you were saying before. Uh, BD, BD McClay. Writing. Well, what we often do when we show people writing is we show them failing to write. You know, you, crumb, right. you see a lot of shots of people crumbling up paper or throwing them over, or ripping them out of the typewriter. Yes, but back in that. <laughs> day. Um, and in some ways, it's the same, the same struggle they had with how do you show a computer working? Well, we all know how you show a computer working. In the bad old days, you showed the spinning mag tape reels, and then you showed a lot of lights going up and down, what have you. And nowadays we show, you know, who was the last time you saw anything scrolling across your screen? But of course, that's what we show uh, when we show computers working. Um, the, the, the interesting part about it was, um, why don't we show it? it it's, it's a question, again, of, of what is it you're trying to achieve with, with, with your film? 
Um, are you trying to tell, tell a dramatic story or interested in developing character? Um, in, in many, many cases, the, um, the, the, the work is, is shown in terms of its effects on workers. And, and that's what you will see. You will see them performing some, some drudgery, and then you will see them um, um, being crushed by the work, what have you. So it, it really becomes, uh, in some ways, secondary to, to character, uh, second, in some ways, uh, secondary to, to plot. Um, I did find myself as, as well, in, in many ways, I, 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 I worry about my, my incipient Taylorism um, because I'm fascinated, you, you know, you've heard me say, earlier, I'm fascinated in, in, in the structures, the elements, what have you. So, I mean, I, I could watch a film about a hand moving, you know, and working and picking things up for hours. Um, <laughs> I, have, I have some, obviously, some, some problems with obsessiveness here. Um, but, but it's, 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 it's um, something that has to be almost aestheticized in order to, in order to, to watch it. You, you have to, um, see the, uh, um, 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 the, 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 the beauty of, of, of what's going on with, with a human hand at work doing manual labor. You have to be implicitly interested in that to show pure work almost um, as it is. I think of, of um, uh, Melville and Moby Dick talking about them uh, squeezing the ambergris and what have you and the squeezing and squeezing, a very erotic scene, of course, um, as we all know from Melville's own confusions. Um, and, and, and they talk about it, but soon you didn't know whose hands were whose hands and what have you. Um, so they're, 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 if, you, if you can do that, well, cinema, Hollywood cinema, if you, if, if you can make the work erotic, sorry to get into that, but uh, Melville reminds me, yeah, if you, can, if you can make it attractive, if you can make it pleasurable, then you're going to get an audience. If, 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 much of the work we're forced to show is, is in fact drudgery, um, then it, it's difficult to, to have people watching things that, that are, you know, are inherently unhappy making. Um, and it becomes a question of our own society. How much work do we have that is creative? How much work do we have um, that people uh, truly enjoy doing? Um, and we keep, I keep citing uh, in many ways because it's always been very important to me, physical labor. Um, but, but how do you show um, mental labor? Um, right. Cinema has a great deal of difficulty. Fiction, in a way, novels can show you the internal workings of a brain, if you will, a mind at work. Fiction is wonderful about talking, representing um, psychic states and what have you. It's much more difficult for, for cinema because you, you basically are working with the externalities of the human body. Um, and so how to, how to get into the idea that what we're doing is, is, is creative and pleasurable and have you, it's, it's, it's difficult to show visually. Um, I want, I want to uh, do two things. One is I want to bring up one thing that you brought up, uh, which is Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe. Yes. Uh, but I also want to throw in um, uh, the Great British Baking Show. Yes. And, 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 and I'll tell you, because I'm not a baker. I don't, I don't. You know, I don't bake, but, you know, I totally got into that show. And I'm going to argue that 
Uh, well, two things. One is I love the non-competitive nature of the British. You know, I mean, you can never do that show in America. It's just not interesting enough. There's no, there's nobody's getting, you know, sent off the island. Nobody, you know, there's too much hugging. There's too much people helping each other out. Um, but I loved it, you know, and I may have the same obsessive tendencies that you have, but I mean, you know, as, as not a baker, but somebody who understands enough about baking to be really interested in the process. And I thought they did a really good job of showing actual work. I mean, in, in that show, everybody is working. And then in Mike Rowe's show, which you, you, you reference, um, you know, he does a really good job of getting in there. I mean, the, the shtick is that he gets in there and, and tries to do the jobs himself, um, you know, which is a great, you know, handle. But let me get you to respond to, uh, to, to those. Yeah. And, and we'll have, we're going to have, you know, this, we, we can't have you and me talking about our obsessions without, you know, <laughs> trying to get saved by Elise at some point. <laughs> so please, Elise, tell us that you like the, the, the British Bake Off, <laughs> the British cooking show. Otherwise, <laughs> we're in trouble. I know you never watched I don't, it. Right? I don't watch much television. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I used to do British, British murder mysteries, but I decided that that was not good for my bedtime psyche. Oh, oh, British, British. So there's all, all, all that tea cozy sort of. Sort I, I watched watch Father Brown and all that. Uh, oh, oh, thank you, thank you. So you at least saved us on on, on that. She does. Front. She does love Star Trek. She's a Trekkie. Aha. Okay. Well, we all have our hidden skeletons in the closet. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, I watched the British Baking Show. Ah, <laughs> so, I knew it. <laughs> Yeah, we, this is why I had to call you in on this, at least to try and save save uh, Chris and, and myself. We can go, go right down to baking you know, yeah, rabbit hole here. I actually <laughs> wanted to talk about Leviathan. Okay. Oh, I'll I was trying to avoid that, but okay, go for it. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, we'll get back to the British baking show if we have to. I'll simply throw in that, that it has a storyline, it has characters, it's not competitive. I love that part of it, too. And it has real creativity. I mean, what, yes. what, it, it's, it's, it's hard um to to uh um not show something that well i suppose for some people watching shows about food are not much fun but watching someone put something together and come up with something that only can you look at and marvel at it you can eat it um how, how would that not draw you in it's all good it's all good <laughs> anyway at least oh, Leviathan. I, got, I got a chemical engineer over here chris Gylock, and I got a mechanical <laughs> engineer over here, jim and i'm telling you you're both coming from the same pot over on this thing. Yeah. I know, I, Chris, I know you love food. I know you love I food. Do. I do. Make it, but you are a cook, you are a chemist. It does it requires chemistry to do that. And I know you already said, Jim, that you're a mechanical engineer. So what you got is a baking show that's about putting things together in yes. the form of food. Yes. Right? So it's a mechanical piece of it, but you guys also have the um oh that uh uh, uh what is it about food? I mean it's you know the, well the well, it's essential for one thing. <laughs> well, but the other thing that's interesting, and, and I think, you know, uh, maybe Jim can react to this too, but the other thing that about that show in particular, it's, you know, people fail. People yeah. fail. And that, yeah. and that is, yeah. you know, from my, as a cook myself, you know, it's, I mean, you don't succeed all the time. Sometimes you fail in very interesting ways. That's how new things happen. Mm -hmm. And so... I mean, if everybody just did the thing and it all came out perfectly, that's not entertaining. That's not a show. That's, you know, that's one of the reasons they have amateurs doing this, by the way, and not professionals. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although I will say that the series that they did 
with uh, the, the professionals is actually really interesting as well, uh, where they show off the techniques. So, uh, but I think that the failing, the fact that people fail is actually, it's a good story to Jim's point. Um, and, it, and it shows that, you know, you can't, you can't just follow the recipe and expect to succeed. It doesn't work that way. And I think that applies to film as well. If they could do that, for God's sake, every movie would be a hit. And they're not. People follow the recipes for a hit movie and they completely bomb. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, but however, it is the individual, right? There's no collective work. There's nobody comes to, hey, let's come over here. Let's put this, let's put this cake together. Why don't you try this? None of that happens. It's all about the individual, the individual effort. It, it, it's interesting uh, that, that you bring that up because in, in, in some ways, um, yes, they're all, there is a, a certain level of competition there, but way out on the other end, you have, what is it, Hell's Kitchen or something? What, what the, the, oh, American Gordon Ramsay, who I really like, Ramsay, but I, I hate Ramsay's that show. awful program where, where he screams at people. It's like, he's abusive. I mean, the, the, it, it's, it's an unpleasant, his, his early one, his early shows in England are much, much better because he goes into these little mom and pop restaurants and, and really, uh, he's very tough, but he really, and you'd, and you'd enjoy if you haven't seen them because what he does is he really, you've got these, and you've seen them, you go into a restaurant, we were in one the other day and it was a little restaurant, it had three pages of, of, of menu items. It's like, you can't possibly be good at all of these things. The first thing he does is he throws it out and he's like, you need one page. You got to keep it simple. And there's also a lot of work portrayed in the, in the early Ramsey stuff. Later on, you're right. It becomes all histrionics. And the problem with Ramsey, by the way, is once he came to the U S he couldn't fucking swear. Okay. Wow. And you cannot have Gordon Ramsey without that being every other word. It's just, he's a former footballer, you know, he just, but we, I, we, we got to get to Leviathan. So, so at least I want you to react there. Cause that, I saw that whenever it came out and uh, you really can't see that film not in a theater, I would argue, if you really wanna, if you really wanna get it, right, Jim? Well, look, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw that one back at, I mean, cause, cause that's, I think in some ways that, I'm gonna say it's the toughest film for, for, for many audiences because you, 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 it's, it's, it's not, doesn't have the usual touchstones. Okay, here's the opening, here are the main characters. Oh, there's that knife. I know that somebody gets murdered with that later in the movie, blah, 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 blah. Sorry, Elise, I know that you don't watch mysteries because, <laughs> but it's the morning, so we're, we're allowed to do that in the morning. But yeah, Elise wants to get back to Leviathan, so I'm gonna let Elise get back to Leviathan. I think I watched the wrong movie or the wrong trailer. Which one did you watch? You, know, watched, you, watched, you, you watched the trailer for Leviathan. Leviathan? Yeah. I watched the 1989 one. Oh, completely different movie. I, I was like, I was like, so Jim, like, tell me how this worked with you. I don't, <laughs> think, I, don't see, I don't see the fishing thing here. I mean, you kind of the underwater, but it's not the same thing as fishing. That's okay. a sci that's the sci sort of the sci-fi horror kind of thing. Yes, yeah. Horror. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. there's actually another one out there and 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 um um uh, it, Russian it, one, right? It's not. It's not the Russian one. Yes, yeah, so the Russian Leviathan, which is is um, uh, is. Uh, you don't want to stereotype these things, but oh my God, it, it really it really is a crusher. Um, <laughs> you know, it, may, it makes you feel this is what it's like to live under an oppressive uh, form of of 
we can't even call it, um, it's not really government. It, it, it's, it's this oppressive administrative entity that, that is awful, but no, no, sorry. The, the, the um, yeah. The <laughs> Different. Well, that, actually though, let me, let me ask a question. I, I used to know the answer to this and I, once you tell me, then I'll remember, but what is the deal with, like this came up with another movie. A friend of mine was telling me to watch this movie and, and, we were arguing about whether it was a film, a neo-noir film or not. It turned out we were, the, the original was neo-noir, the new one sort of, but not really. And I'll remember the title, but anyway, it doesn't matter. What is the deal with naming with naming films? I mean, I always thought you had to like go and check and make sure there wasn't some other film with that title. But, you know, clearly we have at least three different Leviathans, which are not remake. I mean, and they're, com they're three completely different films. Yeah, right. How does that work? you copyright the film but not the title um and so you can do whatever you want with it um actually here here's here's a uh a, a self blurb um for for the next piece i'm doing for working class perspectives uh, which deserves a shout out by the way it, it's yes a, um, yes uh, a, a nice it's a, it's a nice blog and 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 uh, i mean in terms of podcasts blogs various sundry forms of of delivering uh, um, conversations about work and working and workers, um, this this program and, and working class perspectives are pretty good. Anyway, um, there, there's there's going to be a piece on yes, indeed, uh, micro and and uh, dirty jobs. Um, there's a new book just out called uh, Dirty Work, um, and lo and behold, there's a previous book about <laughs> these forms of work called Dirty Work. Um, so yeah. Um, it's 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 one of those things that um, that supposedly are are copyrighted, but oftentimes are not, and so on and so forth. Uh, so as we sort of begin to wrap up, I do want to sort of get your uh, thoughts on on the you know sort of dirty jobs, Mike Rowe, and then you know, sort of more modern interpretations of, of portrayals of work, and and also. You know, just coming, you know, where we are with the pandemic, and there's a lot of talk about, you know, workers getting, you know, respect, more, you know, more recognition. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, if you're if you're if you're seeing any of that, if you think that's going to start showing up, uh, or maybe it's already showing up in portrayals. Well, it, actually, the the sincerest form sincerest form of of flattery is to pay somebody. I guess we can <laughs> that way. Um, what I find extremely interesting is, is that uh, everybody, you know, the, the polit political lines are readily visible in terms of, of how people respond to um, um, going into the grocery store and, and there, there are only three lines open now instead of the usual six uh, and what have you, things like this. As service labor um, is becoming harder and harder to, um, um, what should we say, to, well, the, the to do service, the labor is harder and harder to find. And, and part of the reason is that people are finding out that it's, it's not worth doing it for what you're paying me and starting to realize that thanks to the pandemic. So they're having to raise, raise uh, wages, um, which I'm, I'm more than happy to see happen. Um, so I guess in, in some ways um, you, you see, quote unquote, the respect uh, that, that comes from, um, from, from that in terms of uh, rising wages. 
Um, it's also interesting to see that when they do surveys of, about whether or not people would like to be in unions, uh, they often find that it, it's a, 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 an easy majority of people who want to be in a union. Um, the difficulty, right. I was reading a piece the other day, I, I forget um, where, where it was from. It, it might've been labor notes or something, I'm not sure. Um, but, but that effectively the, that um, the difficulty is not in getting workers to want to be part of a union. The, the difficulty is in the actual uh, organizing and so on and, and having that happen. Um, as we saw down in, um, uh, down in, uh, in Alabama with, with the organizing there, um, it, it's, it's, it's very, very difficult to, to go against the anti-labor uh, grain um, that we have in this in this country's uh, um, political framework. Um, I mean, I, I found it hilarious that um, uh, it's almost an unwritten law that you were ever in a union, you can never be the Secretary of Labor in this country. Uh, you know, it just it's 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 uh, an oxymoron. Union, uh, Secretary of Labor, no, 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 no. These are in complementary distribution. You can never have anybody. Um, our, our current Secretary of Labor, I guess, is the closest we've come to someone who sort of gets it. I mean, we're talking about a, a Boston mayor. Uh, we, we, we know um, the power of unions and what have you in, in the Boston city government frameworks. Well, he, he actually comes out of a union. He came out of, of a, he, he actually is a union guy. But, I, but to your point, what's interesting is it's no problem for a businessman to be head of the, of the, of the Department of Commerce. So it's, it's not exactly... And there's no logic to it, I think, is what you said, and I agree. There's, there's, there's nothing that prevents a failed businessman, a bankrupt. Good point, Jim. Apparently, you can uh, even be the star of a television show about being a great businessman when you can't run a business to save your soul. Um, there, there's there's no, no level of hypocrisy uh, that isn't admissible in... in uh, well, actually, though, Jim, it just occurs to me, The Apprentice, that's about work, isn't it? Of course. I hadn't thought about that. I but mean, you're it's... working, you only, see, you only see them being abused. I, <laughs> I had not thought about that. That is amazing. Somebody needs to do a column that for, on that for working class perspectives. Not necessarily you, but... If you're, if you're going to do that, you would then have to do, at least I would, um, is you know, Elise has pointed out that and agreed with both of us that we are obsessive. <laughs> I am not going to, I, I made myself read an awful lot of dime novels uh, about work. Uh, and it, that can get very difficult at times. I'm not going to force myself to sit and watch uh, The Apprentice endlessly. It would, it would, uh, yeah, I have, I have health issues that won't allow me to do that. <laughs> Among them are my interest in food and I would be throwing up so often. Uh, oh, Chris, what was the film? I, I want to say The Maid. But yes, I was just thinking about that. Yes, talk about that. I, I, absolutely. That is. Well, I, I think because the first thing I, that struck me at the beginning of your article, Jim, was that, that we don't show work. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, you can have a film about workers, but a, a typical Hollywood film, but you won't see them actually doing the work. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I watched that film, I was a maid in, at a hotel. Uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I just, you know, I had forgotten uh, what that was about. So I, and, and, and I was thinking, and I thought about nine to five, do we actually see them work? 
you know, we saw the confrontation between them and Dabney Coleman, but the actual work, work, um, yeah. There's, that, there's that one scene where Jane Fonda at the beginning learns how to use the copier, but first oh, right, right, right. she, she messes it up. And then later on, she, she's a, I mean, there's that that's transition. A, that's the Lucy and Ethel. That's the, that's the right. Exactly, about. exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 it, there, there's a lot of comedy to be found in, in, in the awfulness of contemporary office work. Um, that seems to be a, uh, a, ma a major theme. I mean, it, it, as we get close to closing this out, we, we could say that the reason you don't show much work um, is, is because going back to William Morris, uh, the work we're being asked to do is, is, is soul crushing. Right. Uh, and for that reason, it's, it's difficult to do. I mean, Elise and I are, are um, part of a profession that, that is, is rooted in, in allowing our creativity um, you know, I mean, the, the, being a professor is, is beneficial on, on so many levels. One of them is you actually get to, to meet young people and, and learn with them. Uh, and the second one is, is, is that you get to be in a room full of people who are trying to be creative. I mean, all students are trying to be creative. Um, it, it's, a, it's a form of work um, that goodwill hunting and everything else notwithstanding. Um, is rare, uh, it's extremely rare. It's, it's difficult to find work. You often find it in programs about farming um, because there you, you find not agribusiness, of course, um, but, but, but small independent farms where, where you get back into that nostalgia for uh, um, uh, almost, if I can get away with this, a Jeffersonian yeoman farmer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but I don't want to get nostalgic about, about that, but, but it, is, it is true that that much of, uh, and, and this will, I'm sure, because the, the next piece I'm writing for the blog is, is about to, how do you define the dirty of dirty work? Um, and and that, that's, that's part of the issue. So much of our work is, is, is um, uh, either, either hilariously filthy uh, or soul crushing, and, and it makes it difficult to actually make it cinematic. And that's actually a good place to leave it because we'll have you back on to talk because the the that is a fascinating series and I I enjoyed that series but I I wanted to ask that same question and I know it's a conceit and it's a framing and all of that but I I I'd be really interested to see your your take on it and let's have you back on to talk about that and and then and then we can grab clips of of uh, from from Mike Rowe's show as well so Jim Excellent. this is. This is terrific. What a wonderful conversation. Really great to meet you. And I look forward to, to, to reading more and having you back on the show. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to it myself. As, as, um, as I struggle with, with the, the first year of retirement in COVID, um, it, it's, it's wonderful to be able to talk to people uh, about these things that are so important to us, and especially in the venue of, of, of working class. It's just it's a wonderful thing. So thank you very much for having me on. It's been a true pleasure and I do look forward and hope that you will in fact have me back. Absolutely. Take yeah, care. Thank you, Jim. Stay safe yeah. and stay well. Stay well. Stay well. That's that's the mantra for us these days. Stay well. All right. Take care.